0: There are decades of suppressed secrets, trauma, lost dreams, and hopes. Why is it easier for most people to live under that veil and put a mask on than to slay them? Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it's easier to to keep something down than to push it back up. There is a fear that um, opening up wounds, Speaking out loud about it, when you are the person who is the killer, the generational curse breaker, there's so much on you, right? There's so much on you. You, Many people hide behind the secrets and behind the things because they don't want to be exposed in some kind of way. And it's not a, a negative exposure. It's just you're putting yourself out front to get the weapons thrown at you. But the thing about it is, when you release and let those things go, you open up a portal with everyone else behind you to be open to talk about the things that they experience, to be open to to be open with other people and share and experience. And you you stop the generational trauma that went behind you. Now you're showing everybody it's okay. It's okay to be open. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to um, heal um,
0: I, am. Um, first of all, let me say this. I am honored. I am excited that, uh, you gave me a time today and, um, I don't take it for granted because you could be doing anything else in the world right now, but the fact that you gave me a little bit of your time, I am very, 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 very appreciative of that. And I don't take it for granted at all. You are someone that I just admire so much. And I think it's not I think, I know why. It's because the way you craft your words, they always seem so perfect. <laughs> and it's something that I aspire to do in my life. And for me, I'm becoming better at it. And I notice it, It the better I become internally, the better I know I noticed my vocabulary become the better I, I'm able to articulate my words. And um I I the the funny part about this whole thing is that this podcast is predicated around entrepreneurship and personal development. And I know this conversation is gonna be a little bit different today, and I'm okay with that because you are. A person that speaks life into people. And I feel like this conversation will definitely help a whole lot of people that we may even not get to meet one day. So we are here to create something that's gonna leave people feeling very much in a better space before they even tuned into us. So I know I just said a whole lot, but <laughs> but but before I give you a chance to speak, let's 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 role play for a second. Let's say that we are at a networking event, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you have an opportunity to speak. um, And they give you a chance to speak. And let's say you are walking up on stage. They hand you the microphone. How do you introduce yourself and tell people what it is that you do? What do you say? Oh,
1: goodness. I would just, you know, I'm Lisa
0: Marie.
1: (laughs) I am wow, a woman who has been healing for the last five years on a healing journey, who has learned so much about herself, so much about her surroundings, and so much about people as well. I'm on an ongoing journey, and I'm just sharing from experience of what I've been through, um, what I'm currently experiencing, and what I want to see for the future. My purpose is to um, tell people that the midst of everything that they're going through that that is always a rainbow and there's always sunshine um but not staying in the course of our life of woe is me and fighting through our battles and just that's who i am that's my purpose
0: (laughs) that's your purpose the first thing i want to ask is what are you healing from because you said you're healing what are you healing from
1: Wow, there are so many things that I'm I'm healing from. Um, Healing from my own self-destruction, things that I have, uh, negative things that I have said to myself over a period of time where I felt less than, healing from mother wounds um, that I had experienced throughout my life, um, from abandonment, healing from um, molestation, Oh goodness, there's so much gravity into it and just um, coming forward in this space where I put those things aside and seeing myself through um, and seeing myself in the most perfect light that is available for me in my sense of what is perfect and perfection.
0: Why did you used to say negative things to yourself?
1: Ah. Uh. You know, I think when you are um, in debilitating situations, many times you don't see yourself out of it. Um, And the earlier it starts in our childhood, like, you know, do you have children?
0: I do. I have three kids. I have a nine-year-old. I have a four-year-old. Both of those are my two boys and my baby girl is an 18-month-old.
1: They have children have this vast imagination and they have this love. But um, if you keep throwing things at a child, they'll have a sense of of negative self. They'll tell themselves that. And so for many adults who have bad trauma and issues where they talked to themselves and told themselves that they're bad or negative things are you know part of them. They've heard it from someone else and it's hard to break that cycle. Until you get to the point sometimes, many times in adulthood when it compounds, you know, and we, we find ourselves in a moment of, oh, my gosh, I need to get unstuck. Because all of these things in my past is is coming back and we're playing this. And we also as adults, even, you know, we graduated from a child to an adult. We still have a childlike self in here. And we right. tell ourselves the same things that we told ourselves as children. So um, that negative self-talk did come from hearing negative things when I was younger and planning them and thinking that that was defined as who I am. Um, And just
0: redoing the course
1: and saying, I am not those things. You know, I just made myself believe that that's who I was.
0: Wow. You, I I, I was listening to your podcast. I've been listening to it for the past, maybe the past month. I've been listening to it every day because I, once I knew that, hey, this is who I want to have on a podcast, I was more intentional about, okay, I need to consume my content, consume it, consume And I've been just, been, I've been in it. And one of the things I heard you share was, and that you just also just shared, and which I believe the two is linked to each other, was um, I think that you said you were adopted. Mm-hmm. And and then just now earlier you said that um abandonment um was are those two things linked to each other?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> right. I I I figure so my question around that is I, I want you to open up a little bit more about that, um about that part of your life.
1: Mm-hmm. Um I was I
0: Okay, so I'll say this. I'm sorry for asking all these questions, but it's like, I I, I just want to peel back the layers because you, the person that I see on the internet is someone that know who they are. The person that you just radiate with so much love, light, and energy. So I'm just here to bring enlightenment and love and energy to people that needs healing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so the way that I describe adoption, and I think for many adoptees, I've even like, you know, studied on forums and seen what people, you know, who have been adopted, what they feel from an early age, you kind of feel like something is not right. And the way that I describe it is, you know, you have a big old puzzle piece, and that one puzzle piece is missing. And they'll put a piece in that looks okay, when you stand back, it looks like everything is together. But if you come close, you'll realize that that piece doesn't actually coincide. It doesn't go. And so for a long time, I kind of felt like, you know, maybe, maybe not. And a cousin um, told me that uh, his grandmother told him that I was adopted. And that really rocked my world. Even though I had this sense that I didn't look like my mother, I didn't look like my father, um, and especially after my brother was born, there was no similarities whatsoever. And I stayed with that for a while, I didn't much about it. And then, um, I, I think I was about uh, 11, and I asked her, and her reaction it shocked her because she didn't know that I knew. And after that, our relationship really just was lopsided. I mean, by that time my age and I had lost my dad and so she was a single parent. I think she was going through so many phases and then not knowing that, that bringing that issue would make it worse. Um, we, it kind of alienated and divided our relationship. And so um, from her stressors of being a single mom and just everything that she was going through, um, it wasn't intentional as I found out later Um, but my mother was very harsh in her words. I was, because I was the oldest, uh, she put a lot of pressures on me. She said a lot of things that that hurt. Um, And so I always kind of felt like I was, you know, like they said, a redheaded stepchild. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, no congruency whatsoever, no emotional connection. Um, And I kind of felt, you know, abandoned. Later in life, I... I prayed on it. I said, you know, I knew that I had an older brother. Uh, My mother did reveal that to me. So I felt like, okay, if I, if I find my older brother, I feel like there will be connection. My mother as well. And my father, when I went on my search, I realized uh, the lady told me my mother had already passed. It's my biological mother. Um, But I got in contact with family members. They put me in contact with my sibling. But then as the story unfolds, what ended up being revealed was that I had other brothers and sisters and my mother was the only one, my biological mother was the only one who gave me up. And so it then brought it back to, wow, you know, even as an adult, that childlike heart still was like, I wasn't wanted, you know, I was abandoned. Um, I felt that way emotionally with my adopted mother. And now I'm learning that she kept my mother, uh, my biological mother, kept all of her kids except me. <laughs> so wow. that, you know, that sense of not good enough, um, you know, what did I do? What was the problem type of thing? It, it came back and, um, but it was explained to me why it happened the way that it did. And so it helped me to just I guess get out of my mind when it came to the sense of abandonment and more of understanding and Um, when it came to my adoptive mother and my biological mother, because people go through phases, they go through things that we don't understand. And so after I met my sibling, um, I felt more complete and I just worked on the sense of abandonment that I felt for so many years.
0: You just said so much, man. You just said so much. And the, the thing that, what you saying that one thing that, I have both parents in my life, I've always had, but one thing that that made me appreciate my parents even more was a saying I heard that goes, um, the only reason why we are mad at our parents is because, we only know the journey that they walk with us, not the journey that they walk by themselves or before us. We don't know that journey, so we only know one side of it. But once you learn the other side of it, it's like okay, that's when you could give grace and and you could understand things a little better. So, um, what it's also funny to me. I actually had this conversation yesterday with somebody that I know not yesterday, two days ago, she opened up to me about the same kind of issue of um being adopted. And out of all of her siblings, she was the only one that her mother gave away. Uh, her mother was... um, I think she said her mother was a prostitute. And she was like, she was the prostitute child. And um, she just had so many questions. And as she was talking to me about it, I wanted to peel back the layers. But I was just like, man, it's... It's crazy that now we're having this conversation, me and you. So to the person that's, to the people that's going through that right now, um, what kind of advice would you have for them? Um,
1: Just what you, you said, you know, we don't know the journey that our parents went through. We don't know how hard it was for them to make that decision to let us go. I had to flip, you know, the narrative in my thinking and say how blessed I was that my mother didn't, you know, she didn't want to just not let me be. You know what I'm saying? She gave me life. And she realized in that moment that she wasn't able to take care of me. And so she blessed me with the opportunity to be with a family who, in all goodness, did everything that they could. I mean, my mother and father were great. They exposed me to so many things that I know, even talking to my siblings, they didn't have the opportunity to do. So I give my adopted, uh, my biological mother grace in what she went through. And I just look at it as another chance to live and not not so much on the fact that even when I, I felt the sense of abandonment, that I was still blessed, that God still gave me another chance and that. Nothing, you know, when I look at the course of my life, I didn't die. I didn't, you know, I'm not in prison. And like, good things (laughs) came out of it. So, um, you know, the only advice is just to describe the goodness that came, you know, because of it.
0: Amen. And, um, oh, I wanted to say something. Oh, this is what I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful part about all of this is that our story is never about us. It's never for us. It's never about us. Yes. It's to help the next person get through it. And the fact that you recognize that, man, I salute you for that. Salute yeah. you for that, man. And um, I want to digress a little bit because it's like every time you say something, it's like, I I want to peel back the layers more and more and more. I'm just a deep thinker, man. Like uh, s- surface level conversations really don't resonate with me. Like. Yeah. That's just how I am. These past few years of just personal growth has really shown me that I really enjoy conversations that get a little deeper. Mm -hmm. And um, in the beginning, you were talking about, you know, abandonment and all these things that was going on in your life. And I want to know, how did you overcome all of that? Mm -hmm. What, What- were there anything specific that you did to get through that? And I want you to speak to the person that's looking to get through it as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so it may be different for everyone else. Everyone has their way of kind of dealing with things. I've always, uh, I've always written things. I've always been a like a writer um, writing for me has just been the way that I, you know, allow myself to just come through. And so for years, I kind of abandoned the act of writing, being a parent, having so much going on. And I remember picking that pen and and utilizing that paper and just writing my feelings. But it was more so of doing the opposite of what I thought and what I felt, right? So because, you know, I explained earlier, everything was negative self-talk. Everything was believing that everything that was said to me and what happened, I was that. And so I started to affirm to myself and writing these affirmations down and really following through intentionally because I, I no longer wanted to feel this way about me. So for me, the act of writing, the meditation, the journaling and prayer. prayer. <laughs> I would say prayer was the, the, the number one thing for me. Um, being intentional about prayer, praying and doing so as often as possible. Not saying, God, I wish you could take these things away, but God, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for the ability to see this. It's not, it, Again, it's reinforcing the positive that was in my life. And I think when I started to see the positive as we set forth, I was thinking positive and I was seeing positive change and I was you know so all of that came full circle for me and for me I think that's how I was able to just move out of it and realize I made it maybe in my mind worse than what it really was you know because when you're suffering and when you're sad and when you're hurt and depressed it's hard to have a self-talk of goodness you still want to kind of sit in that in that spot of Everything is going wrong. So if we change and rearrange the way that we think in our mind, it does so much for us. And so that's what helped for me.
0: Amazing. At, at what point in your life did you realize? Did you make that decision? Like, okay, you know what? It's time to cut the negative out. Time to start thinking positive. Like, at what? Do you remember the exact moment or, or what happened that made you be like, you know what? It's time to get out of this. It's time to climb out of this.
1: I realized that, um, so my, my adopted mother, she passed in 2020. Um, again, our our relationship was was just very distant. And I remember her calling me one day, and my mother used to, I, I, I say this, she used to talk in rhythms, right? <laughs> so she wouldn't exactly say what it is that she wanted to say. She would talk around it. But to know her was to know that if she said something far fetched, she was talking to me. So she called me one day and she said, I mean, as if nothing had ever happened, there was no separation. That um I was in prayer and I went to God and I asked him to forgive me of all of the things that I have done to people. People was the word. But I knew that she was talking to me. But because of the relationship and my respect for my mother, I didn't want to dig deep and say, Are you talking to me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so that broke open the opportunity for us to talk again, not go deep. Because, again, my mother wasn't one to be um, tied into emotion. She, she would fall back. So I followed her. Um, my prayer was that we would become closer and talk about things more. But I didn't get that opportunity. When she passed, it was unexpected. And uh, I remember being so angry because I wanted to have that conversation. And there were so many things I wanted to question her about, things that were said, things that she had done, things that happened in my life where I felt like she wasn't, you know, being a a protection for me, but I didn't get that opportunity. And um, so for about two weeks, I was angry. You know, many people go through stages of grief. You go through sadness, you go through anger, you go through depression. But I was angry the whole time. My aunt called me up and she wanted to check on me. This was my mother's last living sibling. It was 10 of them. My mother was the youngest. And she called me up and she said, I just want to talk to you. And so as we began to talk, my mother and my aunt that I was talking to, they didn't have a relationship. And so it was killing her inside that they didn't even talk. And so as we began to talk, my aunt opened up about their experience as children and what they went through, and how their mother treated them. And so for me, that was the point of, oh, my goodness. I've never heard this conversation. My mother never opened up to me. And now I understand why my mother was the type of woman that she was, because she had a mother who didn't show them none of her kids' love. You know what I'm saying? She didn't talk to them. She talked at them. My aunt described from the time that they woke up, my grandmother was one who demanded, who hollered, Made them feel less than, and so it it painted a bigger picture for me. And then she told me some things that my mother went through as a child that I knew nothing about. And so that was the point in which I said, "Goodness, my mother didn't get the opportunity personally to heal. She was holding everything in. The body. Her anger fested from things that had nothing to do with me, and I took it personally. It wasn't about me." It was that an unhealed person, when they are going through and it's compounding anger, they lash out on any and everybody. And so at that point, that it made me feel sorry for the experience that she had as a woman where all of her her, her siblings were taught to be strong. You don't talk about your issues. You don't talk about your problems. You talking about a counselor, you don't go to counselor. There's something wrong with you to go to a counselor. So my mother sat with that. And that was when I began to just really say, I'm taking this in and I'm healing because I felt like I needed to do this for my mother because she didn't have the chance, she didn't have the opportunity. And really the education was there because my mother was an RN. She had many opportunities, but again, the black experience, what we've been taught, hold everything in. You don't go to no white people and talk, right? You don't have conversations. You don't talk to them. They can have the same experience. And if you did, you're crazy. <laughs> I, it you for know, myself, you know what I'm saying? In in honor of my mother and the experiences that I now knew that she went through, because I didn't want to turn into her, you know? I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to be that person for me, for my children. And I didn't want to push people away. So that's what that was. It was a it's a, a beautiful lesson in sharing Um, from my aunt's perspective, being firsthand of knowing what they all went through and what my mother suffered through. And so it was almost like my mother was speaking through my aunt to tell me her story. And I felt so gracious to be on the other end to hear it. And also it's like that aha moment of, wow, I don't want to be like that. I I don't look like that.
0: You and your aunt's relationship, what is that like today?
1: She she passed um two years ago. She passed uh, My
0: condolences.
1: Yes. So we she was my favorite aunt. <laughs> and my mom would, you know, she would make like little funny comments because we were so much alike. Um but because again they had like that separation and that issue, uh, I hardly ever seen her. I didn't really get to talk to her. But that bond, anytime that we talked on the phone or we seen each other, it was, you know, it
0: was always Great. Are you talking about your biological mom right now?
1: My adoptive mother.
0: Yeah, adopted mother. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay. There are parents that go through, okay, just like you, like you just said, your yeah, adoptive mother. Because what she experienced growing up, she became that, right? Yes. yes. And a lot of times parents they know what they didn't like um while they were growing up but yet they become the thing that they did not like yes how 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 do we switch that like mm-hmm. another example could be maybe there is a young man that never had his father in his life and then um he has a child and then he's not in his child's life but he would be like man I didn't like that my dad wasn't in my life how do, what do we do to switch that?
1: I think it all has to do with the individual and how they show up and what they want. But I'll use my mother, my adoptive mother, for an example. Now, while she didn't have love um, from her mother and she didn't show love to me, <coughs> my way of, um, I guess, doing things different was to provide me with opportunities, right? So... Going in in the space in which she was living with nine other siblings, she didn't get the opportunity. My mother was very, very smart, very educated woman. So she didn't get the opportunity to be involved in groups. So my mother put me in Girl Scouts. Um, She would ensure that anything educated, related that had to do with the African-American experience or the Black experience. I was going on trips. I was going here there. So that was her point of what she felt love was. You know, everybody in their mind has something different. And for the person who didn't have their father around, and he's not around. See, sometimes they play on, I'll buy them clothes. I'll buy them the legs like, shoes. Mother mm. money. Because in their mind, they're thinking they're doing some of the part. Maybe they can't show up physically. You know what I'm saying? Because maybe a man feels like he's not going to be equipped to do so because he wasn't shown the way. But maybe his way of what he thinks is showing love is ensuring that his child has enough clothes. He's providing money to the mother. He's taking care in some kind of way. So I think it's an individual approach where we have to question ourselves and how we're going to manage relationships with people and how we can undo some of the things that we expect. It is true. We didn't like how we were treated, but it's up to the person to turn that thing around and do differently and actually be present and show up in relationships with people.
0: 100%. 100%. What is the purpose of life and how does it shape your
1: decisions? (laughs) I feel like every single person, um, regardless of if they felt like they found their purpose or not, every person in this world has a duty or a job or an obligation. And not-
0: I I don't mean to cut your wisdom, but how do you find your purpose? Oh
1: gosh! Um, I so
0: have- so so it's a two part question now because once you started once you started speaking, you was, you said the word purpose, and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, how do you find your purpose now? So it's a two part question. One is how do you find your purpose, and then two, what is what what was my first question again? What is the purpose of life? And how does it shape Lisa Marie's decision? Mm.
1: Okay, well, I'll start over. The purpose of life, I feel, um, is not to just be present, but to be felt, to be heard, and to be experienced by people around us. It may not be on the grand scheme or scale, but the people that you touch in your immediate area, that's that's the alignment that you're supposed to have. When it comes to purpose, I think many times the purpose is always set through when we are young. And I say that because in many of the conversations that I've had with adults, right? We always go back to the first memory of us when we were children. Again, children don't have any bounds. If a child says, I'm gonna be a lawyer, they say it with vigor. And ain't nobody stopping them until somebody implants something that says you can't be a lawyer. You know what I'm saying? And that's when everything changes for them. If we, if we still thought with our childlike mind, all of the things that we did when we were children, the way that we pretended and played, being a mayor, or whatever it was, that is, I feel, the purpose that God has set out for us. It's something larger. Maybe it's not specifically, as I was playing, you know, as a child being a mayor, my position is not a mayor, but God put it into me that I have authority and that I'm able to lead because in my actions of playing, I utilize those functions. And so many times as adults, we go back to that and say, wow, you know, when I was a child, I thought this. And even when I'm I'm wrong and I'm seeing myself, these are the things that stick out to me. These are the things that are relatable. For you, it could have been, you know, you like talking to people or, you know, having conversations. It just made you happy. You may have repelled, you know, as you as you grown as an adult, but it came back full circle. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the things that we do innocently, I feel like is the beginning of the purpose. It just we catapulted as adults when we see and ground ourselves and understand that, you know, who we are. And I think that's when we find our purpose, when we just. Stop listening to the noise of other people and telling us who we
0: are and what we need. And how does that shape your decisions?
1: For me, I've always felt like um, when I was going through the journey of healing and also understanding more about myself and the power of the negative self-talk and how that pulled me down If I thought that I could do the opposite of positive self-talk and regenerating and rejuvenating myself, I saw the outcome of it, right? And so I took all of those elements and said to myself, why not? Why not expose these to to certain people around me first? My friends, my family, we caught wind, Let's, let's talk about these things. And then on a grander scale, one thing about it, my personal journey, sharing through social media was intentional for me, not other people. So I didn't start off as, ah, I'm going to share these words and this is what it's going to be. It was, this was my healing. This was like my vocal journey, a uh, journal to other people. It just kind of caught wind and kind of did what it did. And so I, <laughs> that you know, the journey and, and, um, the purpose has always been as a child, even with the things that I had experienced and I was going through, I've always been a I guess, um, a positive person in, in, in some aspect. And so when I think back as a child and having these uh, relationships with children and people, I realize that that's always been who I was. I think that the midst of the journey just kind of enveloped and opened everything up. And now this is just where I'm at right now.
0: So, And the second part of the question was, how do we find our purpose?
1: I think for many people, um, again, the purpose is found in the things that we enjoy, the things that we love, and the things that, that comes very easy to us. Um, it's really just, it's it's hard to identify because so many things are different for so many people, but I, I, I really think it's what comes with the ease. It's not, it doesn't have to be learned. Um, it doesn't have to be hard. It's whatever you do on a daily basis. I think that's what your purpose is.
0: That, that hits home with a very popular saying by Jay Shetty (laughs) that I live by. And Mm -hmm. he said that, um, you know who Jay Shetty is? Yeah. He said that, um, your passion is for you Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: your purpose is for others. But when you use your passion to make a difference in someone else's life, that's your purpose. I agree. I I agree with it so much. He said it so beautifully. Jay Shetty, my guy, man. Uh, Another thing that I've noticed that you keep saying throughout this conversation, you keep bringing it back to a childlike, childlike, childlike. And it brings it back to a conversation that I've had with with my pops a few months ago. And also, I was listening to, to one of your uh, episodes, and you were speaking on the incident with Diddy that happened, and um, you were speaking on an incident with someone in the community that was a big public figure, and um, I think you said he had uh, a child that nobody knew about, and how we just tend to look look up to these people. And we just never know what they have going on. And with you saying childlike, 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 it brought me back to a question I asked my pops one day. I said, pops, if you can get mentored by anybody in the world, anybody, free of charge, who would it be? And I've asked this question numerous times to different people that I've interviewed. And they always give me some public figure. They always do it my pops, he said that if I was to get mentored by anybody in the world, it would be children. Mm. I was like, I was like, what? Yes. He said, the Bible says, come to me as a child. Mm. And when he said it, I was like, did he really just say that? It went over my head. But like, as the days went by... I started marinating on it more and more and more and more and more. And And like, when I hear you come out and speak about things like you spoke in your interview, it just makes me think back to what he said. This is why he comes to, why he want to be mentored by children. And he said, you know, children are innocent. Yes. They are innocent people. And he was like, I learned so much from kids.
1: Absolutely.
0: So to hear you come and be like, you keep bringing it back to childlike, childlike, childlike. It just made me thought about that, man. Like, mm-hmm. I think that is one quote, but my pop said I would never, ever, ever forget.
2: Yes.
0: Why? Yeah. Everybody else I asked that question to, they always bring up a public figure. Why they would get mentored by a public figure? Because of the success that they had. And mm-hmm. My pop said, you don't know what these people are doing. You just don't know what they're doing behind closed doors. You you never know what's going on. But children are innocent.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. They really are. And it's, I think the beautiful thing too, and that's why you had children, um, when you observe your children as they're developing uh, as a baby and then they go to crawling and they go to walking the determination behind a child, it's not forced. It's natural. It is. It's absolutely natural. And when they begin to talk, how they are, they listen, you know, And that's why we have to be careful when it comes to young children. They're impressionable. They're like recorders. They listen and they learn and they're inquisitive. And like I said, when it's something that they want or something that they imagine, they will stay on that thing for the longest. And it's not until negative, negativity is implanted that they believe that they can't do it. But the vastness of even when we think of ourselves as children, we have no fear. We don't care about what people think. You know, we put on a blue shirt with stripes and a yellow pants. And we going out throughout the day and, you know, we're feeling free and we're feeling happy. And so children present, like your dad said, the most innocence, but it's also coupled with determination, strength. Um, They always want to learn. They always want to do something new. They want to emulate somebody got on the monkey bars. I want to do it too. There's no fear in that. And it's so much to be learned from, children until negativity is implanted and it changes their way of thinking, their way of thought, the the process of um, identifying who they are and everything else. But yeah.
0: Yeah. And and with with you saying that it just reiterates how important it is to protect our energy and our kids energy It's it's so important because if you let an ounce of that negative influence get in them, it yes. can just spread like a wildfire within. Mm-hmm. Man. Mm-hmm.
2: This
0: this conversation is so freeing right now. I like that. I could just feel your energy radiating in me right now. Like, it's just so freeing. It's so freeing. I appreciate it so much. Um, the Lisa Marie that we see on, on Instagram today, Where did this come from? Mm. Because I just remember scrolling one day on Instagram and I see this lady, she's just talking and the words are just flowing and it's flowing and it's flowing and it's flowing. And And I'm like, what she just said, I got to play it again. And I'm like, don't nobody speak like her. Mm. Don't nobody put it together like her. It's unbelievable. Where did that come from?
1: Had it not been for experiences, had it not been for living, had it not been for life, um, again, that's why I said we have to turn our what we perceive as our negative into our positive. We have to shift the paradigm and the way in which we think and the way in which we speak out loud and to ourselves. If it had not been for those things, I don't think that I would be able to show up for me differently. Um, there was a break that was that moment where it was like all of these things were implanted from the beginning but i think you know as i began to grow individually you know because we can be our big old age you know what i'm saying but it doesn't mean that we are absolutely mature and that we are absolutely wise in our decision it just it takes a little bit of um, digging and self to open all of those things out and and display for the world so I think had it not been for those things I wouldn't be able to write about them, experience them and also give grace to other people and also not and, and be non-judgmental when it comes to other people because that's a big thing too right not being judgmental um and just opening up the vessel to say it's okay you know what I'm saying had if, if these things had happened, if I hadn't experienced, if I hadn't seen it for myself, I don't feel like I had it I'll have it to talk about. So I'm grateful for it all. You know, I'm I'm so grateful for it all.
0: Another question that I want to ask is for what you have been through, it takes a lot to get to a place where you are finally comfortable. Opening up and talking about it—it it takes. Yeah. A, I, I know it. I, I just know it, do. Mm-hmm. How did you get to that place where where you could just open up and freely be yourself and talk about these things mm-hmm. now? Because a lot of people struggle with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I recognized myself, and again, I had my adopted mother well, that you harbor so much, you don't let it out. How it becomes. And I didn't want to be that person. Uh, and also with the knowing that we all we all experience something. It may not be the same. But it shouldn't be to where we feel like now something be secretive that you're not ready to open up about. Um definitely honor that faith and honor yourself and put right but you don't know what the story that you give to provide for someone else who may be going through. You know, the testimony is what sets you apart and allows people to see themselves in you. So just opening up and sharing for me has not only just allowed it to just flow and come out of myself and make me feel better, but also the knowing that other people have experienced they've gone through it and they're trying to find their way out as well and so through the words it's helping it's this thing. and it's all love because it comes from a place to with no intentions of harm but all intentions to help and to bring everybody closer because there is no difference between you and I except the sex the color and the hair. you know what I'm saying like it's right. all are similar the same so and many of us have similar situations as well gotcha.
0: There are decades of suppressed secrets, trauma, Mm -hmm. lost dreams, and hopes. Why is it easier for most people to live under that veil and put a mask on than to slay them? Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it's easier to to keep something down than to push it back up. There is a fear that um, opening up wounds, Speaking out loud about it, when you are the person who is the killer of the generational curse breaker, there's so much on you, right? There's so much on you. You, Many people hide behind the secrets and behind the things because they don't want to be exposed in some kind of way. And it's not a, a negative exposure. It's just you're putting yourself out front to get the weapons thrown at you. But the thing about it is when you release and let those things go, you open up a portal with everyone else behind you to be open to talk about the things that they experience, to be open to, to be open with other people and share and experience. And you, you stop the generational trauma that went behind you. Now you're showing everybody it's okay. It's okay to be open. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to um, heal. When I think about my parents and then their parents, I mean, if we think about from generation to generation, even in the Black community, how we don't speak up about what that uncle did, okay? We know Uncle So-and-So ain't right, but we gonna keep it hush-hush because we gotta conceal the legacy of the family. Because if we, we say Uncle So-and-So, it's, it's bad that being that some way we are equating that everybody else in the family is back and then you hide in secrets and then the next generation comes and then that person has the affliction. Well, they don't know where it came from because nobody wanted to open up. It takes only one. It takes only one for them to speak about the experience, the things that they've gone through, where everybody is now privy to the information and everybody is looking cautious and they're teaching their children. If somebody touches you here, no, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? Like it right. opens up much. So I, I think we do ourselves a, a injustice if we don't open up, speak, and are a part of the solution instead of wanting to be a part of the problem. Keeping family secrets, I think, is the is the worst thing that mm-hmm. um we do in the sake of trying to keep the family together whatever
0: it is you know? <laughs> how do you what What do we do to change that narrative because on one side of it someone may feel like well if I do open up then nobody's gonna believe me and then the next part of it is you know it's it's probably just easier just to just be quiet how, how, how do you change that narrative
1: I think for many people there are situations in families where if you speak out about something, they'll shun you, you know, and you have to be ready for that. And if you're not, then the next step I feel that people should go through and go to is employ some form of counseling or therapy. At least you're getting it out to someone because individually you're working with yourself. You already know how family is. You know what I'm saying? That that feeling of being left out and then the feeling to when family comes together and you're opening up about something that may have happened or things that you're thinking, they pretend that they don't know what's going on, right? And so, again, that isolation happens. So if you can't talk to family members, you can't have an open space to conduct some kind of, you know, form the conversation, then I would say that you just go to a, therapist or a counselor, open up there. At least individually, you'll get that help. And you can go on about your life and because they give you so much tools, so many tools to work with individually where you don't worry about what the family does or what they say, but at least for your generation going forward, for your children and their children, you open up that door and you've given them the tools where it's open. We, we're not going to act like that side of the picture, right? Right. <laughs> Not gonna do like that side of the family. At least I gave my kids, their generation, you know, the opening up to just be open and talk about any like
0: Gotcha. Have you have you did counseling and therapy?
1: I am actually in school. Yes, I am. I, I did counseling and therapy and I'm actually um in school for clinical mental health. So therapist is what I am aspiring at this moment in my big old age to be. <laughs>
0: You already uh uh I don't I don't see the need for you to 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 go to school to do that. You're naturally gifted. Thank
2: you. The way you
0: show up on Instagram is <laughs> you think that you need some validation from uh or a piece of paper to do it like I feel like you are naturally like I even went through some of the the, the reviews on your um Podcast and everyone was just speaking of how much you, how they spoke so highly of you and how you how you have helped them on their journey. Yeah. What 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 is it? The whole the whole going to school thing. What is it? What is that about? Well, because the me, the way you the- show up now, I think is just amazing. Thank you. Well,
1: you know, um, I will say that school has helped me
0: also because
1: sometimes. <laughs> in our mind, common sense, it only gets you to a certain point, because my common sense could be different from your common sense, right? 100%. So, I wanna be in a space where formally, educationally, I am equipped for everything, because I'm not just stopping here, I want my doctorate degree. And in the doctorate degree, I wanna study us, black people, I wanna have us in statistical information where we can put it out there. This is what's going on in our family. Statistically, whenever I'm reading something, when it is composed of research, do you know that Black people are limited in in the information that's put out there? It's always white people. So when we get the summarization of mental health and what uh, people are going through, it's based on white people. We are different from white people because of the way that we have been raised. You know what I'm saying? The things that we have experienced. So that's why educationally, I want to take it further because now I can be in a position to do the research on us, people of color, because our background is different. You know what I'm saying? Working with different elements. Susie may not have gotten beat by her daddy. You know what I'm saying? She and my counseling office crime because... Her parents won't give her money to get a house. Meanwhile, you know what I'm saying? I have Keisha crying because now she's dealing with generational trauma of being beat, being talked down to. Poverty. White people's poverty is not the same as black people's poverty. You know what I'm saying? It's it's, it's just it's not the same. So that's why I want to take it a step further educationally to be in the realm to say, listen, I'm not just talking out the side of my head. I have the degrees to show that I'm just as great as this white person that's sitting next to me talking about their white counterparts, and not giving to our community of people of color. So that's why.
0: <laughs> gotcha, 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 gotcha. So this is where you are headed to yes. become a a therapist. Yes. Are Absolutely. are there different forms of therapy?
1: Yes, there are so many um, forms of therapy. We have. Trauma related therapy, you have just, uh, talk therapy just centered around talking, letting people just open up and then you decide how, you know, you'll implement whatever you need for them. Um, there are, uh, PTSD. I mean, there are so many, so therapy. many. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: Absolutely. which one do you, do you want to specialize in?
1: I want to specialize in, in trauma and PTSD related therapy. Absolutely.
0: Because that's something that you have experienced. Absolutely. That's what I'm that's what I'm guessing.
1: Yes, absolutely. And Got it. um honest, you know, a lot of us as black people from generation to generation, look, it, it, it even goes back to enslavement. It is trauma related, the things that we are going through and what we can't do. so that is why I wanna go into that niche. And I do wanna assist any and everybody um with what they've been going through and just talk it out.
0: Amazing. So when it's all said and done and you get that degree and and, and you become a therapist, what's the vision for that? Is it to own your own therapy practice, to have your own building, to have your own... What's the vision for that?
1: I want to take a holistic approach. I definitely want to have my own. I want to do meditation. I want to do sound therapy. I want to do regular therapy. But when you come into my space, it you'll see the plants. You'll hear, hear the music. We'll meditate. You know what I'm saying? We'll talk this thing through. I think that the normal approach is you come into a therapist's office, you sit down, they're in a the chair, they got a paper, and they're looking and gazing at you and, and taking all of these in and, talk, and taking notes. But see, the thing about us as people of color, when we come into a place, we're already scared. We're already nervous. We already have the jitter. If I can employ some some form of meditation or prayer, Whatever it is that you're happy with is, I want to be able to provide that. And then we talk. It's just nothing but a conversation. I'm taking my notes and doing what I'm supposed to do as a therapist, but I'm also making you feel comfortable in a space where it doesn't feel like I'm forcing you to talk about things that feel uncomfortable and you stop. I think that's very, very important.
0: That's amazing. So what's, what's the timeline for this? Where, where, where are we at on the journey right now? You say you're currently in school. Where are we at?
1: I have a year. I have a year left. um, And then I I take my test for licensure. So I want to be licensed here in the state of Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, and surrounding um, states. Because I don't know if people know or not. Even if you're licensed as a therapist, it doesn't mean that you are licensed to to practice therapy everywhere. So you have to get licensure in the state. Really? uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Got you. Mm-hmm. Unless, unless you have clients come to you from different states, coming to Georgia or wherever you're licensed at.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you I got can you. Um, serve in the state that I'm licensing if Somebody's in South Carolina. You know, I have to be licensed in South, South Carolina to serve them, and so on.
0: Yeah. You got you. Well, the the way you're going, I see a global therapist over you. Thank you. I see. You. I see. I see a halo over you right now with the words global therapist over, over you right now and um you you are out here to heal people that you have never met and you're going to change a lot of lives the ones that you uh the ones that you have already helped change and the ones that you are do- changing right now and the ones uh you are about to change in the future they 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 are in for a very good thing I am excited for your journey and I hope to be a part of it. Well not I hope. I will be a part of it. Um I'm definitely gonna support it. And um let's touch on the affirmation cards that you did. Um what what where, where did where where did that idea come from?
1: So the affirmation cards, <clears throat> affirmation cards was what I had already been doing the journey of healing, and I felt like If I could give some of maybe the thoughts that I had in my journal and just affirm those words, because I knew that in the process of just showing up, I guess, on social media, you also get people who message, you know, and they tell you about their experiences. And so while I was taking all of that, I was notating, okay, I want to make an affirmation about this, because this was covered in a conversation with, you know, so and so and so. I experienced this coupled with, you know, things that were shared and things that I went through. So it's really just a reminder every day of something different, of hope, love, the journey, you know, the focus Something that you can tangibly see and read and refocus and center your attention so that we don't have negative self talks when we wake up in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Right. If it can be implanted in the morning or the midday or at night, it will change the way that you may feel and think about yourself and even your atmosphere around you. So that's my little nugget of pushing something forward for someone else to just have a firm and be thankful
0: that day. Ain't nothing little about that. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nothing little about that. <laughs> With the industry that you're in and the way you show up on Instagram, I know that, well, I don't know. From the outside looking in, it seems that I know, well, again, I don't know, but it seems as if you will be getting a lot of messages from people that that just open up to you. And it seems that that could cause overwhelming of joy and emotions because I know you probably hear a whole lot of stories and a whole lot of this and a whole lot of that what is that like for you? Like,
1: I honestly you know I really feel honored that people feel comfortable enough to email or message me and just talk you know because it, it is the understanding that They may see me, but I'm a stranger to them. And I think that's where comfortability for most people, you know, when we're not related, we don't see these people on an everyday basis being able to just say what it is that they're feeling or or what they're going through provides them with some kind of safety. So I feel honored when people do it because it's not going beyond, you know, where I'm at and they can entrust that, um, in some way that I can give them some form of advice that'll uh, assist them. So I always feel honored to give those messages. I never feel overwhelmed. And I think too, it is an ideal preparation for what I'm about to do. So I always think that as a positive, not a negative.
0: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. One, one question I forgot to ask you in the beginning is, um, I want you to let everyone know how you and I connected. And the reason I'm, asking you to do this because i want to start painting this picture of how i am connecting with people but i don't want to tell a story i want i I like for my guests to tell it in the most authentic way and um because i want people to see this journey that i'm on as well like what i'm doing to connect with people because some people i I message them until they message me back. I'm gonna keep going. I'm, I don't care how much time you see my messages. I'm gonna keep going because persistence pays off. So I, I want you to tell you know the audience how you and I connected in the most authentic way. I don't care how you say it, just the most truthful way.
1: Um, we connected through is it Instagram? I believe. Yes, ma'am. You sent me a message through Instagram, and then we were supposed to do an episode. We were trying to get the skeptics, so we emailed. Um, but, you know, I think the, the beautiful part about this I'm always trying to hone and figure out people, you know, because sometimes people set up things with the wrong intention. And so... You take your time with people. And then we when we had that phone call, I was like, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, <laughs> you can see a person and then, you know, typing or texting someone, it's different, right? It Sometimes is. You to audibly hear someone speak to know, okay, I the energy is there. We can decide right. it feels good. So after we had that conversation through the phone that's when I felt much better about the connection, what we were going to talk about. And I felt like it was authentic that you were coming from a place of, number one, individually. You were on this journey for you, for yourself, in so many facets. And that feels good because you are in the beginning, in the middle, or wherever you, are, but you're consistently moving towards something. And I love when people are in a journey with intention and not doing it just because it's something to do.
0: You know what all I'm right.
1: saying? Really about learning people, uh learning aspects of themselves. And then too, we want to take something back for you and say, Wow, I didn't really learn something about the experience. And that helps all of us grow. So I'm thankful for that Thank for the conversation as well.
0: <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You know, that's that's the reason why I love to do the phone call is because like you said, um, it's so hard to 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 navigate a conversation through text and um you know I want to get on a call so I could just properly introduce myself and just let you know who I am, what I'm about, what's my mission, what's my purpose and just to see if our brands are in alignment and if it is in alignment, let's go ahead and make it happen. So other than that, I am again truly honored. I am grateful for your time. And um I know that this conversation will bless the hearts of many people, many people. And I am glad that we did this collaboration. And um it's been it's been a pleasure. I am looking forward to many, 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 many more conversations of, of, of this sort. And um <clears throat> right before we close out, I had uh I came to Atlanta a few months ago for a networking event. And uh, I had uh, I had the pleasure of meeting the owner of the Airbnb which I stayed at, and uh, one of the most brilliant minds I ever spoke to, man he 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 just we 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 sat there and talked for like over an hour and a half, and I, I just how me, you and I are talking, I just was able to peel back layers and layers and layers, and anyway, fast forward the next morning, he offered to take me to the airport and um, I told him about my podcast and what I'm doing. And he brought me a sheet of paper and he's like, Hey, these are some ideas that I think that you could add to your podcast. And one of the things he wrote on there that said, the world is listening. If it's one piece of advice that you can give to humanity, what would it be? And I want to pose that question to Lisa Marie.
1: Oh my goodness, that's one piece of advice that I can give to you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> stay in your perfect peace and stay in your perfect place. You are who you are. Um, we will evolve over time. but do not go so far from the niche of who you are, the realm of who you are, because people need you to be this way. They expect you to show up this way. Always be you. The person that you are is enough for you and everyone else, if we act outside of who we are, we won't be ourselves. We'll always be in battle and conflict with us. So stay who you are. Evolve, but don't dramatically change. That would be my. advice.
0: That'll be your advice. And, and I'm sorry, I I have to peel back the layer one more time before we close this out. How do you find out who you are? Mm,
1: listen, we are are. We know our likes, we like our- we know our dislikes, we know what we do, what we, what we don't do. As we learn, we will evolve. We will. Maturity will come. Wisdom will set in. But I'll I'll explain it like this. If you are an eclectic soul, if you like this type of music, if you like paintings, if you like this, that and the other, and get with a group of people and they're staunch, they're different, you know, You don't change who you are because the people around you are different and it seems cool and it seems more inviting that you'll show up cohesive with them. You stay who you are because you'll be appreciated for who you are. If you align with the group of people that it seems, you know, it seems on the, the picture would be great for you, then you have no individuality and then you have no stories to tell. You have nothing to look forward to because you're grappling with that person and the individual you. So always say who you are. Who you are is good enough. It'll bless other people. And um, it is individually just who you are. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't Yes,
0: ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, other than that, um, let everybody know how they can find you, how they can connect with you. And every now we can look forward to in the future from you.
1: Absolutely. Um, I am on Instagram and TikTok at Season um, Underscore Dialogue. I'm also on YouTube, Season Dialogue, and um, if you are into audio podcasts, um, it's Season Dialogue with this Marie. It's on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Apple, anywhere that you hear a podcast.
0: Got you. One last question: Where did the name Seasoned Dialogue come from?
1: Oh goodness, season, season, it's a southern thing. Seasoning. We love seasoning in our food. <laughs> <laughs> to, to bring it all in, um, as a woman and traveling through my journey and getting older, build season in your experiences. And so and also the dialogue of talking and talking about the experience and getting connected with different people. So the season dialogue, the season adventure, the season journey.
0: The season life, season dialogue. That's it. Got you. Well, couldn't close it. I know better than that. Thank you so much for your time again. And um, looking forward to every, everything, season dialogue. I'm sending more wins your way, sending more love your way, sending high energy your way, and um, all things positivity your way. Thank you so Other much. Other than that, i we up. It. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. We are out of here. Peace.